Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow men, hoping we can make Here we are again. It's Tuesday night, and it's time for Blog Talk Radio, uh, one of my favorite things to do and one of my favorite half hours in the week uh, because I I get to share uh, some very special people with all of you during this time, and uh, that's what makes it uh, also special to me. Um, Coming to you from uh, Southern California, where uh, we're still rocking and rolling uh, from the uh, earthquakes uh, in uh, on the on the Fourth of July, and the, and the day following, that was a uh, kind of uh, got everybody uh, back it uh, back going again. Here it had been almost uh, 20 years since we've had any shaking going on here in in Southern California, and uh, course you know everybody talks about the fact that uh, sooner or later um, uh, you know people in the foothills are going to have oceanfront property here and uh, who knows um, we just uh, uh, know that all these things are in God's hands and that's why uh, that's why we just uh, uh, keep on going and uh, trusting him and knowing that this uh, this is not all there is um, what we've got here on this earth is uh, only a small piece of what God really has for those who love him and those he loves. And um, so tonight we have a very special guest in that uh, this is someone who uh, I've known for a good while. He's been a real supporter, regular supporter of the catch and, uh, uh, one of those people who uh, often writes me with uh, ideas and comments and encouragements and suggestions and things like that. Um, and uh, as a result, he, he's been a, a, a member partner, which is uh, our what we like to call our, our lifeblood of, of the catch. Our member partners are the ones who really keep this thing going. And... Uh, uh, so what fun to have Drew on because he now has published a book. And uh, this is a, a, a brand new deal. Um, and we're going to be talking about that book and, and about really what, what, what pretty much brought it on. Um, the book is called God at Work. A Testimony of Prophecy, Provision, and People Amid Poverty, and uh, about his story of what he's learned from working with the homeless in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. So this is going to be uh, a great time tonight, and uh, we're very excited to uh, have this very special guest on. So would you please uh, welcome 
for me, uh, Drew Schneider from from Canada. Welcome, Drew. Yes. Thank you, John, <laughs> and, and thank you for this opportunity. I, I I I do appreciate it, and um, yeah, it's it's a chance to to get across some some very important messages. I think about uh, um, about ministry, about missions, and uh, and also just the, the the work of God and what He wants for His people. Great, great. Well, Drew, I love hearing you talk, and it kind of gives me a a clue about the first 25 years of your life, which was in radio. And I can tell why, because you've got a great radio voice. But I love what you call this, though. Uh, uh, in your own bio, you said uh, that you were a communications consultant and recovering broadcaster. So tell us about that. And, and I, I never thought that broadcasting was something you needed to recover from. So uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that time of your life. Well, it's it, you know it's it's been said I never met a microphone I didn't like, and uh, I, I grew up <laughs> in a broadcasting I grew up in a broadcasting family. My mother was in radio. My dad was a TV producer. My grandfather had a radio ministry back in the in the twenties. I guess all the way up to the fifties. Uh, well, up to the forties. He died in fifty one, but um, so there was a bit of following in footsteps involved in that one. But I spent. 25 years doing radio and TV, mostly in Western Canada, uh, as well as, you know, hanging out at college radio stations and so forth. And then various things happened. Uh, I was living in Victoria, British Columbia, which incidentally is no stranger to earthquakes either. So I can just understand what you guys are going through Ah, down in Southern California. That's right. Um, But uh, I was living in Victoria, British Columbia. Things Things fell apart right around the same time that I came to Jesus. And there is a connection. Um, Long story, and I will spare you that. But I wound up moving to Vancouver, um, moving back to Vancouver, in fact, so I was born and raised there, but working for a time in radio there. And then there was like this great corporate purge that went on. and, And people with experience, like myself, we all got booted out. And so I wound up... Uh, for, for a time, wondering where I was going to go next, expecting I'd go to a radio station. And a friend of mine, actually he was the brother of a friend of mine from high school, he was in charge of communications for the local uh, transportation authority. He called me up and he said, I got a job proposition for you. And the next thing I knew, I was the media representative for TransLink, the transportation authority in, in Metro Vancouver. And what that did was it put me on call 24-7 and it was a salary that supported my ministry habit because by then mm-hmm. I really felt a strong call to ministry and I had fallen in with a mission on the downtown east side, the Skid Row area of Vancouver called Rainbow Mission. And so mm-hmm. working at TransLink allowed me to spend time with that mission and then when that mission closed, go over to Gospel Mission, continue working there. So that's basically where things where things went. All the while, I was working as a communications consultant. So I had that that day job, which allowed me to do what God had really called me to do, which was ministry. Wow. So, um, what led you then to want to put this book together? So it looks like about ten years. Sure. 
you you were working there in, in Skid Row. Now, mm-hmm. was that were you totally working on pastoring during that time, or were you still still doing the day job during that time? I, I had the day job all through it, all the way up to about a okay. year before right. I left. And so, okay. it, so as I say, with that, it, it was almost off the side of the desk. But because I didn't have to punch a time clock at work because I was on call all the time, I was able to mm-hmm. – uh, to, to spend more time at the mission than you might actually expect for someone who had a nine to five day job. It was truly God at work. And which is one of the reasons wow. why the story is what, or, or the book is called that is because God was definitely at work in things and he was putting things into place. Wow. So where things. So, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to say that the, the main part of the book, the, at least the first part of the book, is about a project that we launched on the downtown east side. One of the first things I noticed when I walked into Rainbow Mission the very first day was a warm evening, and it was the smell, the smell of the people. And it was this stale urine BO smell that you get, especially on a warm day, and you walk in there, it just hits you. And I thought to myself, how can people live like that? They're walking around there just wrapped in that smell because that smell is them. Surely they can't go on living like this. And it took a couple of years before I realized that, yeah, they would rather be clean because we moved to Gospel Mission. little team had formed, or at least I had become part of a little team, and we migrated over to Gospel Mission. And they had big laundry tubs in the back of their chapel. And the guys would come in, and we would see them come in, and they would go straight to the laundry tubs and wash up, you know, try to dry their hair with with dish towels and so forth, and try to get themselves clean. And you realize that, yeah, they know they stink, but they would rather be clean. So Hmm. one night, my wife Amelia and I were waiting for um, for the Bible study to start, and we started talking about how nice it would be if there was a place to have showers. And we looked around the mission, and as it stood then, there was just no place you could build it. So we figured, okay, it's a nice idea, but it's going to be somebody else's nice idea. So let's just pray that that happens. That night, our lead pastor, Barry, prayed about another segment of that building, which had been, uh, it had a succession of various protest groups and various groups that were Definitely not Christian. And he would pray for godliness to come over that area. And that particular night, Barry prayed that the new tenants in that space would be godly people. Well, Amelia and I looked at each other. Our eyes came out of their sockets, and it was like, this, this is it. This is the opportunity that we were looking for. This is the answer. There's a space. It's, it would be perfect for setting up the showers. So I talked to Barry. He'd had the same idea. He talked to the landlord. The landlord gave us two weeks to, to put together funding and, and a plan and so forth. And two days before the two-week deadline, we had nothing, and the phone rang twice. Mm. One was from a former pastor, the other was, or a former pastor of mine. The other was from an elderly couple that we knew from the church we were going to. 
And it was a total of $4,000 pledged with more to come. And Hmm. Barry and I looked at each other and we said, we'll take that as a yes, Lord. (laughs) And then people started coming forward. Supplies started coming in. Um, people started stepping up saying, what can I do? They came with ideas. You know, I, I can do this or I can organize this for you. People in the media, wow. because, you know, through my broadcast career, I had friends in the media. They stepped up and started reporting on it. And, and all these Great. elements started coming together. And so gradually the showers project called the Lord's Reign came to, came, hmm. came to pass. Wow. So that's part one of the book. Wow. And that's <laughs> part one. And, 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 and so, and, and those showers are still functioning uh, as well, we speak, I imagine. Well, that's, that's kind of the epilogue to this is that, in, yeah, late last year, you see the, the, the Lord's reign and gospel mission were situated in one of the oldest buildings in Vancouver built literally on the ashes of the Vancouver fire of 1886. And last year, the property was purchased by a developer. And Mm -hmm. in May, the mission had to leave. And as far as I know, the building is about to be, if it hasn't already been knocked down. Now the mission itself has moved to a place, which interestingly is across the street from a tent camp where homeless people have been, have been, hanging out for the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the mission has been placed exactly where God wants it to be. But the mm-hmm. Lord's reign right now is still kind of up in the air. We don't know. Okay. But uh, no no showers for the people right now. They're back. Not there. at present. Yeah. Not not provided by a gospel mission anyway. I think there are some other showers facilities that mm-hmm. have started, um, but uh, but not ours at this point. Did did they make good use of the showers? Oh, yes. By the time I left in uh, late 2014, we had just crossed the 10,000 mark in showers. And mm. given that we were only open two or three days a week in the mornings only, um, that's, that's pretty impressive because we're only open for a short window. It was very much dependent on volunteers because uh, there was only one paid position, and that was Barry. Um, so there was... <clears throat> So we had volunteers running it, and so it had to be open at times when people could make it. So a lot of people used it, and it was more than just showers, too. It became a community gathering place. It became a place where people could come from 6.30 in the morning when we would open it till about 9, which is right that time between people getting turned out of the shelters and other services Mm -hmm. opening up which is right when people are most vulnerable. They want to have that first hit of drugs. Well, maybe I'll just pop down for a coffee and talk with the guys and hang out. So a lot of people would come in and have coffee or several and have a bite to eat because a local mm-hmm. uh, bakery started donating to us. And, uh, and that would be the place where they would gather and they would come in. We wouldn't push God on them. We wouldn't push religion. But people would come in right. and they want to talk about it. They want to talk about the Bible, mm-hmm. talk about Jesus, ask for prayer. So mm-hmm. minister in many yep. different ways to people. Oh, that's so cool. And you didn't even have yeah, to it is. try and set that up. It was just right there. It was there. Well, that's there, right. That's right. What else God pulled everything all together for it. Hmm. Hmm. 
Well, now, okay, so you you have a a whole book to answer this next question. So, um, uh, maybe give us the short version of of how this how you were led by this, and and uh, I'm I'm curious too because I know I read I peeked a little bit in your book, and mm-hmm. and I think you talk uh, some about. Uh, how you overcame some of those fears, and I think we all have those fears. I mean, let's just start with oh, the yeah. smell, uh, and then well, yeah. then there's just the fears of of homeless people, and are they going to be mean, or what are they going to be like to uh, you? And, and I think just because it's so foreign to us, we don't mm. we don't walk in those circles. Um, what are some of the things you learned? How, how did God get you over the hump? Well, hard hard to say. I mean, there there was certainly God had to get me over the hump. I mean, I realized after a <laughs> while that it wasn't it wasn't Drew going in there because Drew would rather have stayed at home with a cat in his lap and a beer and watching baseball. Okay, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of what Drew yeah. would rather have done. But it's the Holy Spirit saying, right. no, no, this is, this is where you're supposed to go. And reminding me of how he had carried me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And now it was my turn to pass that along. And that's wow. that that's part of it. Um, I think like a lot of it had to do with, with, with upbringing. Because when I was little, I was very much encouraged to make friends with people who didn't seem to have friends. So that's a lot of my parental mm-hmm. upbringing too. I mean, certainly they warned me about some people mm-hmm. and, but, but there was like, you know, go and be his friend or, you know, you want to be Peter's friend. Um, that's fine. So what if the other kids don't like him? You like him. And so there was, there was mm-hmm. already that. So if I went into places where people didn't seem to have friends, um, I seem to feel like I fit. There is a lot of um, a lot of cases where respect has to be earned because when you go into a place where there's people that've been downtrodden, uh, people are trying to help them, quote unquote, in so many different ways, you you sort of get the feeling that they might think you're there out of guilt and that you can yeah. drive home from the situation. So it takes a while for for you to earn that, and it's and it's earned very simply. Show up, you know. Go in there, look past the fact that they look a little weird. Um, I mean, you you say they might be mean to you. Heck, at times one is afraid, and I have to confess this myself. That oh my oh my lord, they're going to come and they're going to come and talk to me. You know what I mean, and that's something too that you have to you have to deal with. And one of one of the fellows who worked on the project, um, really good friend of ours from from our church in Vancouver, he said the thing that he noticed because he was overcoming fear himself, and he'd be a good one to talk to on this one. Um, he, he said, "I was scared at first, but I sat there in my truck and looked at the scene, and I realized these are people who are just like me." just in a bad place. And that's something wow. we keep have to, yeah. having to reinforce 
with with anybody and especially with ourselves is that any one of us mm-hmm. is one misstep away from starting that whole cascade of events that leads to a situation like Skid Row. Yeah. You never yeah. know when that slip's going to happen. Yeah. True. In your book, um, you told a story about a woman uh, that you met early on. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you were supposed mm. to be going to go speak at a Bible study or something, and you never got there because you sat down and talked to this woman. And it looked like I think you learned a lot through just that one encounter. You can, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Sure. I was, I was on the way to Rainbow Mission, and I was expected to, to preach, as you say, that, that night up there because they had nightly services there. And I'm walking down Main Street, and I see what appeared, appeared to be a pile of, of clothes in, a, in an abandoned doorway, vacant building. And I go a couple of steps, and I do a double take, and I realize there's a person in those clothes. So I went overnight, and I just you know, tapped her on the shoulder and said, are you okay? And she was spaced on something rather, and, and she kind of blinked and almost hostile, said, yeah, I'm fine. And I was just moved to sit down beside her. And once she realized I wasn't going to preach to her or harass her and tell her to move on, that I wasn't, you know, some security agency, she sat up and we started talking. And it was just one of these things where we talked about everything and nothing. Um, she fired mm-hmm. up a crack pipe mm-hmm. at one point, and so I, <laughs> the first time I'd ever smelled that stuff. Um, and it was just one of these things where you're sitting there and you realize you're in what is supposedly a world-class city on a Saturday night, and what you're doing is sitting on a bare sidewalk in an abandoned doorway with a crack-smoking hooker, which is what she was. And there was no other place you'd rather be. And that was, that was a big revelation. I, I never saw her after that. I've never seen her since. But there was just this, this connection. And, you know, I, I, I prayed for her often since then, just, just hoping that she was going to be okay. And something was going to happen in her life that was going to get her out of there. Or that in the meantime, she at least got a little bit closer to Jesus as a result. Wow. Wow. How did that experience change you? It made me feel like I belonged. Like that that was like where I was supposed to be. And, and yeah, yeah, where, where I belonged in ministry. I had been a little bit leery about going in there. I, I thought maybe it was going to be like um, help out for a little bit, see what was going to happen. It was going to be like playing AAA and then moving into the majors at some point. I don't know. Um, and it made me go, yeah, this is all right to be sitting here with this person and just talking with her. Hmm. So, yeah, it, and then so, did so that that's lead, what I mean when I say it so, made me feel like I belonged. Yeah. So then did that, I imagine that led you into uh, many, many other situations like oh, that, yes. where you would just sit yeah. and, and talk to people and, and and what do you, what do you what do you find out in the process uh, of just talking to people in that situation? I find out that one of the the basic needs that they have, which is one that just what everybody has, 
is to know they're all right with God. You know, there's a song by the Newsboys, uh, Breakfast, and there's a, uh, there's a line that says, the day he bought his those pine pajamas, his check was good with God. And we thought that when we built the Lord's reign, we were providing a basic human need to be clean. But it turned out that the real basic human need that was coming through any kind of missionary work there was to let people know that God still loves them. No matter how they've screwed up, no matter what they've done in their lives, God's still there, and he still wants them. And I think you find that, that the, the whitest fields are in the worst zip code. So that's something that I learned a lot. I learned. I also learned how to shut up. You know, just from a from a personal standpoint. You, you may have noticed I, I talk a fair bit. Um, not sure if that came across, but but I I went in there all gung ho, all pith and vinegar to say, you know, this is how you need to be. You got to have faith. This he is the scripture that tells you what your faith has to be and how you've got to react to things. And after about four couple of weeks of that and getting frustrated and watching people get frustrated because I wasn't listening to them, the, the still small voice finally got through to me saying, shut the heck up and just listen to people. <laughs> and that was probably the biggest lesson that I learned. Yeah. Listen and wow. don't try to have all the answers and speak when the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit moves you. You know, don't hold back on that, wow. but don't immediately go through your Rolodex file of, you know, um, pithy Bible quotations for all occasions sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the things, one of the things my wife, uh, Marty says from, from being a lot around a lot of, uh, homeless women and, um, is that, uh, what she finds out and why she wanted to get a lot of, she actually, her her ministry for a while was getting was to some homeless women in Santa Ana in a women's shelter, but but if you really got her heart, it, it really wasn't even the women. It was the wealthy women from Orange County that she wanted to expose to these women, and she wanted mm. them to find out how undifferent they were yeah. from. From these homeless women, how undifferent and and how very much the same uh, they are. And uh, uh, is that is that something that you would you would echo? Oh yes, <laughs> that said it perfectly. <laughs> undifferent. Um, we had. Um, it, it's one of the hardest things to go to churches in. A city, and I'm, I'm I'm making a generalization, and I shouldn't generalize, but let's 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 roll with this anyway. One of the hardest things is to explain to people that yeah, there's there's a mission field in your own backyard that needs to be addressed, because so many people seem scared of driving through the downtown east side; they don't want to be exposed to it. They mm-hmm. they don't think it's their ministry, and the fact of the matter is, yes, it is. And quite often you see that secular organizations try to come in there and try to do it without the without including Jesus in the equation. And hmm. it turns out to be okay, but not the best that they can have. And that's a whole different thing. Hmm. But convincing 
churches in a city that they've got a ministry in their own backyard. That's that's something that is really difficult. So I can see what what Marty's been up against. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Undifferent. Yeah. 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 Is that uh, – we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm also noticing our time is running out pretty Mm. quickly here. Is that also what you would call the Acts 1-8 challenge? It is. (laughs) It is. Acts 1-8. Tell us a little more about that. Sure. Um, Book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. It's basically Jesus' last recorded words to us on earth, just as he is about to be carried up into heaven. And he says, you will gain power from the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm not quite directly quoting this, but you will gain power from the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Bible teacher Charles Price pointed something out that has stuck with me for years and years and years. And that's this. There's no... There are no throwaway lines in the Bible. There's no accidents about the way word order is placed. And so it's like you're looking at concentric circles, Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, your home church, Judea, your immediate neighborhood, Samaria, Mm -hmm. the land of the outcasts, where the good people don't want to go, and the ends of the earth. and so it's it's worth asking, are you ministering, and it's worth for a church asking, are we ministering to Samaria before we start heading to places like Costa Rica or Africa or Thailand or places like that? So the Acts 1-8 challenge that, if, if we can call it that, is look at Samaria. Look at Samaria as a mission field mm. just like anything else. And understand that you can't fly home from that and start working towards that. And if you do that, how much greater would your overseas ministry be if you can concentrate on the land of the outcasts, which is what Skid Row is? Wow. Is that witness to you? Oh, my, yeah. Yeah, you're giving me my catch for tomorrow, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just gave me mine. I'm different. There you go for, for my blog. <laughs> oh boy, this is uh, this Amazing. is rich. Well, um, I think we're we're close to close to time here. One last question, because um, I, I know this is partly why you wrote the book um, was to help show how how God led you through this whole thing. Yeah. And, um, uh, can you just? touch on that very briefly in closing um, some of the some of the ways that 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 happened and what what you're trying sure. to tell us uh, about that well one of the one of the key points about this is why we call this a testimony that's God at work is that when he puts something on your heart that's going to help people he's not going to stop and ask can you afford this he needs someone to say yes lord and I mean, we had no funds to do this project, The Lord's Reign, and yet we said, yes, Lord. We had a plan for how we were going to raise the money. You know what happened? That plan didn't, didn't come to pass. God's plan did, and he put that to work. So 
that's one of the things that, that, that anyone needs to remember. It doesn't have to be anything big, but if it's something that God has put on your heart, don't let the worldly things um, step in your way because God is going to make it all happen if you say yes and you take your steps and bring what you have to the table. So that's one of them. The other one is people are people. They are undifferent from from anyone doesn't matter what their 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 health situation is their drug addiction situation anything like that they are undifferent from the rest of us it's mm-hmm. not a matter of us mm-hmm. and them it's a matter of us and us mm-hmm. and the more you look at it the more you give people a chance the more you see that they too are god at work mm. well my friend uh, that is a great conclusion right there, and um, this has been wonderful. Uh, oh, I me. appreciate Dude, it. Thank and you so I, much. I um, I want to tell everybody to um, to to get the book "God at Work: A Testimony of Prophecy, Provision, and People Amid Poverty." If you get the catch, um, if you're on our list, you you got a an announcement of of uh Blockhawk Radio tonight and there's a link right there on the title. You can just click on the title of his book and it'll take you right to where you can get it. Um and otherwise, you know, I there's so so many ways of getting books these days, I think probably uh what's any the online easiest way? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Any Got online bookseller has it now. Yeah, yeah. And just remember, Drew Snyder got at work, and um, uh, it, it's a it's an enjoyable read. I've I've uh, I've already gotten into it myself, and very personal. And uh, yeah, we will we can all relate to the stories here. So, um, Drew, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much. And um, thank you, John. Uh, we'll look forward to what what comes down the road. And and uh, and I. This was went by way too fast, so we'll have to have you again on, uh, on again sometime. Soon. I'd love I'm it. sure you're not going to just sit around and twiddle your thumbs uh, now either. Uh, I imagine uh, so. No. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. God bless you, my friend. Bless you too, John. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, folks. Well, there you have it. Um, that was rich and, uh, I hope you all go take advantage of, uh, picking up, um, uh, God at work. It's an online book. You can get it. You can get it pretty much anywhere and, uh, trying to get my music going here, but I'm not doing very well. So we will see you, uh, next week with another fascinating guest for sure. God bless you. Have a great week. Keep following him, and remember, people are undifferent. We're all the same. God loves us all the same, too. God bless you all. Thank you so much.